Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Hope everyone had a happy new year. Wes, it is Thursday, the second day of 2020. The Packers will be back, will be back, excuse me, on the practice field later today. A couple of practices here at the end of the week. Find out the postseason opponent for the divisional round over the weekend and then get back to work again on Monday. What I want to do on today's show, as the Packers head into the postseason, we'll try to take a bit of a bird's eye view here, not worrying about specific opponents and how those different scenarios might play out. But who are some of the the big-time players for the Packers who need to play big-time in the playoffs, and who are some of the lesser-known guys we don't talk about much, unsung hero types that maybe need to play a pretty big role here for the Packers to make a postseason run. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball. A big-time guy who needs to play big-time football. Who you got? Aaron freaking Jones. There you go. And easy answer, right? Right. I mean, everybody, way to go out on a limb there, Hodkowitz, being able to pick Aaron Jones. But I want to read you some statistics here. All right. Big stat guy. Not like you. Stats and But I'm a, I'm a relatively, I'm, a, I'm like an apprentice stat guy. Aaron Jones, games in which he went over 100 yards in rushing this year. Minnesota, week two. Week five at Dallas. Week 14 against Washington. Week 16 at Minnesota. And last week at Detroit. Got 100 yards in that game. Packers were 5-0 and in those games. If you want to throw in the 159-yard catch game. Yeah, the big Kansas receiving City, performance in KC. Make it 6-0. and Yeah, Not going to be able to draw that up on a pro football focus or ESPN stats and info thing. But that's a Wes Hotkowitz stat right there. All right. Let's look at the losses really quickly. 13 carries, 21 yards against Philadelphia. Eight carries for 30 yards against Los Angeles Chargers. And 13 carries for 38 yards against San Francisco. Aaron Jones needs to produce. He needs to have the football in his hands. Because when he does, good things happen, Mike. We've known it for three years. And I think this year, seeing the way that he's taken on this role in this offense, he's not just a running back. He's not just a scat back. He's a third down back. He's a pass catcher. He's a guy that can motion out and actually catch slant passes, which I thought has been a real small minor addition that a lot of people don't talk about, but something the Packers have done this year with their running backs. Aaron Jones is a ball player, and with having Jamal Williams hopefully getting him back here for this divisional playoff run and seeing what Tyler Irvin adds to this offense, Aaron Jones becomes more and more dangerous. I can't disagree with that selection whatsoever. But since I have to pick my own guy, I'm also going to be Captain Obvious here. It's Aaron Rodgers. We've seen we've seen it, Wes. The Detroit game last weekend was a perfect example. Aaron Rodgers went back and forth in that game between missing throws that we've seen him make in his sleep over the course of his career and then making some absolutely incredible pinpoint throws that were a huge part of that comeback. I'm thinking about you know the fade to Devontae Adams down the right sideline that set up the field goal yeah. in the first quarter. The touchdown pass to Alan Lazard, phenomenal throw. The way he avoided the rush and got the ball to Aaron Jones on the screen pass on the final drive. And there were others. But we also saw the scramble to the right. Aaron Jones is wide open for a touchdown down the right sideline. He throws it over his head. 
um, Alan Lazard on a deep post over the middle, completely splits the defense. He's wide open, and the and the a rocket laser type throw is three yards over his head. Those are the kinds of throws that Aaron Rodgers has made those over the course of his career, way more often than not. And we've just seen these bouts of inaccuracy with him at different times. And I just think if he straightens out his game, if he becomes more consistent with his throws, I think there are a lot of things about this Packers offense that can become more consistent in the postseason. And that's really what they've been searching for for so long is some level of consistency on offense. I think it really falls on number 12. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike, because here's the thing. It is a human game. It's a human element to this game. Very rarely are you going to see a guy go out there and just be 100% perfect. Yeah. I guess technically Aaron Rodgers was against the Raiders, and I think it was what, Drew, was it Drew Brees with the 29 of 30 yeah, game? Yeah, 29 of 30 on that, that Monday night football game. But in most cases, and even in those two specific instances, I bet both of those guys have certain plays and things that they want to have back. That's just the way that this game is played. It's incredibly human. It's the most difficult position in all of sports. But I think what we learned – in that game against the Lions is that if you start getting more of those big plays, the Lazard pass, uh, you know, the being able to see Aaron Jones through all the muck and, and junk that was there and avoid throwing the ball and hitting one of the defensive linemen as he shoveled off that, that screen pass. Yeah. When these things align and you create more of those and cut back on those maybe plays here or there where the ball's just a little bit too far, you didn't really step into the throw properly, that's when Aaron Rodgers gets really dangerous. And the question was asked this week, Mike, it was asked to me, and I know it was asked of you as well in inbox, can the Packers, is this sustainable? Can the Packers win a Super Bowl with the way they're playing? And my answer was, well, they're two games away from it at this point. Now, these are going to be two very difficult games. I don't care who comes out of the wild card round to come to Lambeau Field. That's going to be a tough opponent. And whoever survives to get to that NFC title game, should the Packers win, will also be a tough opponent. But as we've said all along here, if Aaron Rodgers gets hot, if you get those terrific throws on the regular, watch out for this team because this defense can be suffocating at times. These special teams are much and vastly improved in the, the final quarter of the season. Yeah. And offensively, you know what they can do with Aaron Jones when he's going and when the ball's in Devontae Adams' hands. Aaron Rodgers is the, the one thing right now that I think if, if that all ties together and the consistency is honed, the Green Bay Packers are a team to be reckoned with here yeah. during the postseason. And I, and I want to clarify, too, I'm not saying – that Aaron Rodgers needs to go out and play the 2010 Atlanta right. divisional round playoff game at the Georgia Dome. I don't think he necessarily needs to play like that, yeah. which was an otherworldly performance for the Packers to make a run here and and take a shot at a Super Bowl. But I do think that when it's just a throw here or a throw there that can be the difference between a touchdown or a field goal or the difference between a big third down conversion across the 50 that gets you into scoring range versus having to punt and then you're just trying to pin the other team deep. Those are the things that one or two you know, here or there in a game can be the difference of another, another six points, maybe another 10 points, you know, that kind of thing. And that's what, that's what takes this offense to another level. And then takes a little bit more pressure off the defense where they maybe they don't have to hold somebody to 17 yeah. in order to win a playoff game. You've got a little bit more margin for error there. I think Aaron Rodgers is the guy who creates the margin for error for this Packers yes. team going into January. Yeah, and, and that's a guy that you want 
in that position because he just he manages the game so effectively and that that has such a negative connotation to things but let's be honest Mike if Aaron Rodgers doesn't manage that game on Sunday the way he did Packers don't have a chance to come back if the turnovers are there if the takeaways are there doesn't matter how many incompletions there are if you don't protect the football it's going to be difficult to put yourself in a position to win that game right and he talked about even after the Minnesota game which yeah you know there there were obviously some some plays that got away some throws that got away this and that and other really good plays but he talked about being you know on his p's and q's with the checks at the line of scrimmage and the adjustments and getting the offense into the right play and stuff and that's what he does really well in this Matt LaFleur offense now it's just a matter of him obviously continuing to do that and then taking it to uh, another level that we've seen before with regard to his accuracy and the playmaking ability. And this is the part that I've kind of had problems with with Packer fans this year, and even some of the, the, the media narratives with this, because so much they try to tie together, okay, well, he has 26 touchdowns and four interceptions, and his yards per pass are this, and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's a difference between understanding that there's certain throws I'm sure Rodgers wants to make and feels like he can make better, and also understanding what his role is right now. The Packers had a running back that scored 16 rushing touchdowns this year. This is a much more dynamic and versatile red zone offense than we've seen in the last 10 years in Green Bay. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be on him finding Devontae Adams or finding Geronimo Allison or, or throwing or scrambling for rushing touchdowns. When they get into the red area, he has weapons out of the backfield that he can use utilize now this very easily could have been a 35 touchdown year for him if you don't have an Aaron Jones behind you yeah but the key is and where you got to be able to disseminate all this information and understand you know the areas of improvement versus the areas of reality is that there are throws in that game against Detroit that Rodgers knows he can make better he talked about it if those things get shored up if 75 percent of those passes get made this is really a team that can be a demonstrative force here in the postseason yeah that's the only argument I want to make yeah I agree with you all right on staying on offense give me an unsung hero a lesser talked about guy here that you think could play a really big role in the postseason for Green Bay a lot of great candidates this you know Alan Lazard is the name that probably jumps off as quickly as uh, than most just based on the way he's come on for this offense you know if you prorate out his numbers uh since week five I mean he basically would have been on pace for like a seven 750 yard receiving season it's been a a huge addition to this offense I want to probably go even smaller though okay even that and I want to just focus on Lucas Patrick for a moment because we're talking about a guy he stepped in admirably for Corey Lindsley. But right now, the way that the Packers are structured, with the injury to Lane Taylor early in the season and the fact that Elton Jenkins ended up having to be a starter basically off of week three on, Lucas Patrick has not only been the backup to Corey Lindsley, he's been the backup to Billy Turner and Elton Jenkins, all three of those spots. And if you look at the way this this 53-man roster is set right now, Mike, there really isn't another quote-unquote backup in those interior positions. Now, Alex Light can play it. John LeGlue was just signed off a practice squad, but they haven't really taken those reps as much as Lucas Patrick does. Through this postseason, you hope that the only thing Lucas has to do is play on the field goal unit, and he gets to collect a Super Bowl ring at the end of all this. But as we saw last week, it can happen just like that, where he has to go into a football game. And honestly, 
you probably could bring up, maybe I'm being a, a victim of recency bias here, but I think that was the best game he's played as a Green Bay Packer, and he did it in a really critical situation. I think there's no question about it, especially when you look at the number of snaps, the fact that he came in early in the second quarter and the number of snaps he ended up playing. This was not just you know subbing in and taking 25 snaps. I mean, he played 60-some, I yeah. think, you know, essentially a full game. But because the Packers had more than 80 plays in the game, it was just uh, that that's – the way it played out. And just to throw in one more thing, Elton Jenkins was a two-year starting center in college. Yeah. I mean, that tells you how highly they think of Lucas Patrick, a guy who never played that position in college, only learned it when he got to Green Bay and started working with James Campen and obviously with Adam Stenovich. They feel comfortable enough that, you know what, you're going to be the guy there snapping the ball to Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to keep Jenkins in the position that he's played all year. I just think that said a lot about Lucas and how he settled into a position that he really never played until he got to Green Bay. Yeah, I'm going to take a little bit different tack on this one. I am going to stay on the offensive line, though, because the guy that I want to talk about here is David Bakhtiari at left tackle. And the reason I bring him up is because in the first half of the season, we were talking about Bakhtiari being a three-time All-Pro and we saw a lot more penalty flags being thrown in his direction than we're accustomed to. He wasn't playing at the level that we had seen him play at for the bulk of the previous three years. But I think you can make a pretty strong argument here that over these last five regular season games with the Packers going 5-0 and heading into the playoffs, that the old David Bakhtiari is back. Now, he's going to say, of course, that, you know, he didn't go anywhere. He's still the same guy. And yeah, he is. There were there were some flags, I think, that were questionable. He was trying to work through some things with regard to the point of em- points of emphasis yeah. with offensive holding and that kind of stuff. But we've seen David Bakhtiari play some really solid, clean football against some top-notch opponents here down the stretch. And when you're heading into the postseason where he might be lined up across from a Cameron Jordan or... He might be lined up across from a Jadavian Clowney or you know a, a pass rusher like that on the edge. If David Bakhtiari, very quietly as he's done this, keeps doing what he's doing, I think that can be a really big part here of, uh, of what the Packers might accomplish in the playoffs. One thing that doesn't get talked a lot about with Bakhtiari is his communication skills. Certainly he's an all-pro left tackle. He is arguably, I think pound for pound, you can make an argument, he is right up there with Aaron Rodgers in terms of the best draft picks Ted Thompson ever made. And he did make the Pro Bowl this year. I he will did. throw that in. But as we had discussed at the time, I, I over the bulk of the season, Bakhtiari was not necessarily the player he was in previous years. The Pro Bowl recognition was just long overdue because yeah. he hadn't gotten it previously. Yeah, and, and Ted Thompson being able to find a franchise left tackle in the fourth round, that, yeah. is, that is something I think really you know doesn't get enough – a conversation about, especially in a and year from, in which... And from a college program that at the time was kind of bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I mean, the Colorado Buffaloes were not winning. They were, you know, at the bottom of their conference. And Ted Thompson found, you know, the West Coast guys, scouts, they found this guy, and they made the fourth-round investment in him, and it was, it's been huge for Green Bay. But what a lot of people don't talk about, despite all of his accolades on the field, is he's a really good communicator off of it. How many times have we seen Elton Jenkins and him just talking in the locker room, talking mm-hmm. on the sideline? I think that's had a lot to do with that young man being able to, to play as well as he has right off the bat, much similar to what Josh Sitton did with Bakhtiari six, seven years ago now. Absolutely. But the other thing is, too, Mike, if you watch these games enough, the point I want to circle this all back to is 
Bakhtiar is doing the same thing with officials. When some of that stuff was getting called earlier this year, he was asking officials, you know, talking to them yeah. after these plays, trying to get some clarification on it. And I think he's found ways. I haven't asked him this. I haven't talked to him about it. But I think you've seen him tailor his game to understanding what's being emphasized and what he needs to do because of the second half of the year. I'll be honest with you, I'd be hard-pressed to find an offensive lineman that's played as well as he has since the bye week. Yeah, I think he's been awfully, awfully good here down the stretch. And as we've talked about a lot, Bakhtiari on one side, Balaga on the other. I think Brian Balaga should be in the running for, for all pro when those announcements a real come chance. out soon. Um, and we'll we'll see what happens there. So I, I'm not taking anything away from Balaga's season, but I think Bakhtiari is the one who's gone about it a little bit quieter because he didn't get off to a great start this year if he keeps doing what he's doing this Packers offense is in good shape yeah the AP made that adjustment two or three years ago where the actual right tackle is what gets picked for the all pro yeah, team not now. just so, two left tackles yeah. yeah he has a real shot at it yeah all right defensive side of the ball give me a big time guy who needs to play big time football it, it has to be Zadarius Smith right now uh, just because it isn't just about his pressures which he led the league in this past year you can go by ESPN's metric you can go by pro football focus everybody says nobody pressured the quarterback more than Zadarius Smith did but it's the way they're moving him around it's how you can't really play for him at a specific spot he can go down with his hand in the dirt as a three tech he could stand up and go between the a gap the b gap he can rush from the outside i think it has led to that whole defensive front really it's it's just been this pandora's box that has opened for them kenny clark has been more effective Preston Smith, I think, is doing a really good job doing what he's asked to do. You're seeing Kyler Fackrell and Rashawn Gary step up. The the heart and soul of this defense right now is Zadarius Smith. It is. They've known that since September when they put that C on his chest, <laughs> yep. and he has lived up to that every bit of the way. If the Packers are going to make a Super Bowl run, if this defense can, can continue to be on the streak of holding defense or offenses underneath 20 or fewer points, it has to be Zadarius Smith in the middle of that orbit. My guy in this category, I'm going with Preston Smith, actually, and the reason I'll say that for a couple of reasons. One, I think we're going to see these teams in the postseason make some adjustments to how the Packers are moving Zadarius around and having him attack from some different angles and you know maybe attack the A-gaps here and there. I think because of adjustments we're going to see an opposing offense make to that, I think Preston Smith needs to be a bigger force off the edge. And I also say that with because he's a guy, he's had a career year, 12 sacks, best season that he's had in his five-year NFL career. But the last month of the season, he's been a little bit quieter. He hasn't necessarily kept up the pace of the high-impact plays that he was making earlier on. I think if Preston Smith gets back to, you know, maybe the guy that we saw in October and November, especially in October, I think, when he was really dominant, I think if he gets back to that guy combined with what Zadarius Smith is doing, this Packers defense has a lot going for Yeah, him. I agree, Mike. And the one thing that's nice about Preston and Zadarius, too, when he's outside, that really has probably been the biggest surprise for me. Maybe not so much with Preston, but both of those guys can defend the edge really well. Yeah. There was a number of years there where Green Bay against the run, if, if you know, it wasn't Clay Matthews getting home, they sometimes let stuff open on the outside. Packers have been really sure uh, in being able to protect to the sideline. The key, and it'll probably bleed into what I'm talking about for the underrated defensive player, is going to be what the Packers can do between the hashes. Uh, you saw Blake Martinez being able to break the franchise record, 203 tackles on the coaches statistics uh dean lowry i think this run defense goes as as dean goes a lot of times yeah um if they're able to close those gaps here that is going to be so critical because from here on out it doesn't really matter unless maybe it's seattle 
uh, the Packers are going to be facing really potent running offenses. Mm-hmm. Versatile, dynamic, uh, a multitude of different guys that can do things. You need Dean Lowry. They signed him an extension earlier before the season. Kenny Clark has been playing really well. You need those guys to set the tone in the middle of the field because that is the area where I think a lot of these teams, knowing that you can't always stretch against Green Bay, you have to hit them north and south. They're going to want to attack. Yeah, so is is Lowry your guy? Lowry's my the, guy. Yeah, for the unsung yeah. hero part of it. Okay, I like I like that choice a lot because I agree with you. When you look at, when you look at these potential opponents in the playoffs, as you say, aside from Seattle, Packers are going to have to step up and stop the run like they did the final month of the season minus the first half in Detroit. They're going to need to play that kind of run defense in the postseason, and I agree that Lowry's a big key to it. The guy I'm going to mention here, as far as the lesser talked about who could play a really big role, is Darnell Savage, the rookie safety. Because (laughs) safeties are going to have opportunities to make plays, and taking nothing away from Adrian Amos, who is your assignment sure, your solid tackler, your big-time communicator back there, gets everybody lined up in the right space. Darnell Savage is the guy with the speed. He's the guy with the, the physical dynamics in that back end of the Packers' defense. I just think there's going to be, there's going to be that deep shot whether it's a whether it's a deep post, a you know a, a deep over route towards the sideline, where he's going to get an opportunity to to jump something and use that speed to make a play, and he's going to have to make it uh, for uh, to potentially you know turn the tide here in a playoff. It's a great point, and it, it kind of ties into something I've been saying over this last week. I mean, and this is probably the thirtieth time I brought it up, but again, I think another reason why Brian Gutekunst deserves really significant attention and, and praise and really should be on the front runner for these executive of the year awards. This overhaul, we could talk so much about Zadarius Preston Smith, what they brought, but this overhaul of the secondary yeah. in the last two years. In the, over the last two years, exactly. It's it's really noteworthy because they've added a lot of speed and they've added a lot of playmaking ability. And and Darnell Savage encapsulates both of those things. Uh, he's a guy that if the Packers need him to, I mean, you can have him play, st- well, what they used to refer to as star, the nickel cornerback spot. You can move him around. I mean, he can play in the box. He can play center field. And when he's healthy, I, I just think you've seen a guy that is really uh, an incredibly bright future in this league. And and he is by far, I mean, the two guys I always go back to are him and uh, it was what, um, Leighton Van Der Esch from Dallas. Okay. The two guys that I think about over the last 10, 5, 10 years where we're talking about these high risers in the pre-draft process, guys yeah. that were maybe second or third round yeah. prospects. Climbing the climbing that boards. That climb right up. Yeah. That doesn't always work out. Sometimes the hype train starts going a little too fast and it gets off the tracks. And I think Van Der Esch was the first guy that kind of opened my eyes to it, that this guy can play and he deserved everything that he got. Yeah. And Darnell Savage to be the first defensive back taken in this past year's draft out of Maryland after a late kind of resurgence in the in the draft process and after his pro day, I just think that this guy is special and he is the perfect complement to Adrian Amos. Amos came in, he worked alongside Eddie Jackson, had the success that they did in Chicago. I see the same type of potential with that back end now in Green Bay. Yeah, and as much as I see the potential for a play that Savage can make here in the playoffs, he also needs to 
stick with being assignment sure we saw miss the tackle on the running play late in the first half against Detroit those are the kind of mistakes that you know the rookie not to say that you can make rookie mistakes in the playoffs but they can happen I mean look at and uh you know that those are the kinds of things that he need that he needs to shore up to make sure those types of things don't happen yeah because you look at haha in the 14 NFC championship game I mean it's those type of things yeah and you look at Demarius in, in in Arizona the following year when he was a rookie in overtime big mistake and the Packers got knocked out so but the, the, those are the kinds of things you got to watch out for. Yeah, the beautiful thing for him, though, is he has Amos there. He's healthy. He's back in his normal spot. And the more that those four to work together with Kevin King thrown in there as well, I think the better that that group's going to be here, especially being as young as they are. Yeah, all right. Well, on tomorrow's show, as we wrap up the week, we'll take a look at this wild card weekend here, these four games. Uh, obviously, interesting contests, two in the AFC Saturday, two in the NFC on Sunday. We'll give our thoughts and see how we think maybe this is going to shake out. But for now, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and be sure to check out the Packers YouTube channel for all sorts of great video content. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.